Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, more media jobs to go as news bulletins will be cut in a major shake-up to regional news. Exclusive Pete Evans under a new investigation by the TGA and Channel 10's big plan for the back half of the year. Welcome to the podcast where people in the TV industry get their news. TV Black Box is about to start. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello there and welcome to another edition of the TV Black Box. Everyone's in the house today. It's Aaron Ryan, the co-contributor to TV Black Box. Co-contributor or just contributor, Aaron? Ah, oh, look, I'll take any title. It's fine. Good morning, <laughs> gorgeous people. I'm used to saying co-contributor when I introduce this man, Mulk. Hello, Mulk. How are you? Top of the morning to you. Yeah, top of the morning to you too. Uh, Rod Morris is in the house uh, as he comes to us from location and doing another project in the television industry where he works his TV magic. Hello, Rod. Hello, Rob. Hello, everybody. I won't bother trying an accent. I'll only stuff it up. <laughs> oh, I'm known for my bad accents, but it never stops me. Okay, the new Sarah Monaghan from Hey Dad and many other varied shows. Hello, Sarah. The soon-to-be Hey Mum. Oh, God, let's not go there again. Um, (laughs) I'm very happy to be home in Florida on my boat, um, but if I fall asleep halfway through, it's because I had my second vaccine yesterday, and there are side effects. Ah, and that was the Moderna, Moderna one. Yes. Yes, which you will be getting soon in your country. Uh, yes, but uh, my doctor is actually getting Pfizer, so I'll be taking that next week, hopefully. I had AstraZeneca and it knocked me around. I won't bore you with the details, but, well, it, it knocked me around last week. And, look, that, that will happen, but we all do say take the jab because anti-vaxxers, well, they're a dying breed. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Great title for a movie. Thank you. Uh, Sarah, last week on the Andrew and Robbo show, we did discuss a potential Hey Dad spin-off with you playing the mum or a single mum of some kids called Hey Mum and you're a bit acerbic, you don't particularly like your kids and I think this could make a great comedy premise. Uh-huh. <laughs> Is this just Roseanne under another title? You mean that Amazon Prime haven't already bought it? That's, that's, a, that's a killer title. I know. It's just waiting there to be picked up. We talked about this years ago. Like when I first started the podcast, years ago we talked about it and then it just died away. And now you guys are bringing it back up again. No, no, Did no, 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 really? no. You guys, yeah. Rob. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, 
I loved Hey Dad. I mean, there was all the crap that happened behind the scenes, but this would be reclaiming it. Sarah could come to the forefront. She'd be hilarious as a mum who didn't like her kids. I don't know. There seems to be like there could be some comedy gold there for some talented Australian writers. I guess at least it would be accurate. (laughs) Anyway, there's a lot to talk about this week, so let's get into it. And regional broadcaster Wynn Television has confirmed the axing of nine local news bulletins across Victoria and Queensland. In their place, Wynn has committed to producing three new state-based bulletins to serve the two states and the western areas of southern New South Wales. The changes are effective July 1st when Wynn returns to being a nine affiliate. Rod, this is a real shame, isn't it? Yeah, it's sad to see all these local broadcasts go... Um... You know, all these jobs will be going. Uh, as someone that lives on the Gold Coast, when 10 got rid of their local Gold Coast news, said, oh, don't worry, we'll just put Sandra Sally and she'll read a local one. You, you know it's not local news and it just doesn't feel like it. What I wonder about going forward, um, uh, what is tragic is that all the, the major Cap City networks or stations rely on their news for, you know, that's, let's face it, that's where their real ratings are. Mm. To think that that's what can be culled for the regions, like still news is about the only thing they, they, they really own. Can, can I put together a scenario of thinking forward? Do you see an era where they will get rid of all state-based broadcasts? So it'll all they just come out of Sydney or Melbourne, there won't be any locals at all? Do you, think? Do you mean for nine and sevens yeah, of the world? Yeah, like you probably now go, no, that couldn't happen. But go forward five, ten years, why wouldn't they? If the if the numbers just keep going down, or do you reckon they will just always hang on to like they're the sort of the the bedrock of the the, the networks? Well, I think you've said it that. The news is one of the biggest rating shows on television each and every night in total people. I don't think there's any benefit for 9 and 7 doing that. The first one who did it would cop a hiding to nowhere. And we saw what happened with 10 when they did replace their Queensland and Adelaide and Perth bulletins with presented bulletins from Sydney and Melbourne. It's not a good look. And I think it would be a very brave executive who made that Move. If they came from an accounting background, be assured they'd be looking at it. You know, when, the bean, <laughs> when the bean counters get in there, that's all they're going to look at. What are the bottom line costs and what can they cull? But, yeah. Of course. Mog, what do you think? This is, is this just the future of regional television where it's just relay stations? I hope not. It certainly looks like that, doesn't it? Um, mm. the, it's Look, this is bad for the, the TV industry in Australia for a couple of reasons. One is that the people in regional Australia are not going to be given regional stories. They, they they just lose out because they couldn't possibly fit in um, a story in this town and a story in that town and a story in that town into a statewide bulletin the way that they're able to do in, in regional bulletins. Um, I appreciate that there is a cost to it uh, and, dare I say, that should be a cost of doing business. Um, the other thing, of course, is that it will reduce the number of available, uh, of available slots for young journos to cut their teeth on TV, mm. and that also is our great loss uh, as a as an industry and and certainly as a, as a nation. Because how else do you get the opportunity for the next Alison Langdon, uh, the next Melissa Doyle to get a swing? The smart young kids, smart young kids will be making their own YouTube channel and doing all of their local regional news for themselves on YouTube. I mean, like, look, I'm from Orange. 
here's the local Orange News and being like in the Ricky Gervais show where it's like the regional newspaper and it's like everybody, you know, gets to have a thing in the hometown and you call into your local person on YouTube and they become a fixture and then hopefully they get picked up by some other country. Which which is what, uh, no, not unlike what, if you look at it, again, I've, I've referenced this before, Mike Goldman and he's involved with this 11 network. They're trying to take the regional newspapers and news, you know, reconstitute a whole new model. So if you're curious about that, have a look at Le- 11 network. Yeah, and look at Six News as well. Leo Paglisi is 13 years old. He's developed his own own news brand. Um, he's um, an amazing kid, and I don't mean to be derogative by saying kid, but he's just amazing. I think people are shocked when they find out it's run by a 13-year-old guy. He breaks stories. He's got sources. But, Aaron, I, got, I cut my teeth at Prime TV in Wollongong and Canberra Rod was just talking about localised news services. Localism is still important in WA where you are, isn't it? Yeah, um, we have a bit of a monopoly over here, obviously, with with Rick and Sue in in the metro. But in Prime, GWN um, has a big monopoly on the news in regional areas um, and have done really well at 5.30 for a long time. I think Malk really summed that up really, really well. Um, I haven't got much to add to that. That's exactly perfect. It's just disappointing for me that this is not really surprising. I mean, I'm not sure about you, but when you read this and thought, oh yeah, here we go, just more regional cuts. It wasn't really that surprising. I'm, I'm surprised that New South Wales actually get two separate bulletins, to be honest. Um, I, I just feel like at, at one stage, we're just going to have a regional bulletin for the East Coast. It's, it's just going to keep going down and down. And it's just, um, it's really sad. It really is. Okay. Amazon Prime Video has declared that 2021 is Australia's year and are putting forward the funds to back it. At their showcase event, the green lighting of seven new Australian original productions was announced as well as the commentary team for the upcoming live coverage of the 2021 Australian Swimming Trials. Since 2019, Amazon Prime Video has invested $150 million in local Australian productions. Malk, you were at this big event in Sydney last week. I've got to say $150 million sounds like a lot, but over five years isn't a great deal. But of course, every dollar invested into Australian production is a welcome investment. Absolutely. Uh, it, it is... A, a benefit to an industry that needs the attention and to have a streaming company invest that sort of cash locally absolutely brings some credibility into the market. It also staves off, uh, you know, suggestion that you know, the the global giant streamers such as Amazon aren't you know, investing in local content. Um, they really are. You know, while $150 million might be, you know, a toe clipping for Jeff Bezos, um, it's life to a whole (laughs) bunch of the creators that are making programs and getting stuff greenlit and to the swimming industry who, if you remember, not that long ago were the number one rating program when the Australian Mm. swimming trials were on free-to-air television. And without being indelicate, to now be on Amazon kind of suggests that maybe there's not the interest that there was. Um but they're still going to give it, you know, a, a A-class treatment and deliver a fine product, I'm sure. Um, just a quick comment on the event itself. For mine, Amazon put on a great soiree, but the presentation, the event, um, went on for way too long. Like 90 minutes, they had everybody trapped in this room and it was just an endless rollout of and where here they showed us a great sizzle reel. And then they went on to interview absolutely everybody about every project that they showed for way right. too long. Um, 
and Joel Creasy hosted it, and I thought he did a fine job. It was, all, of course, all of the executive talent from Amazon that was just, like, as dull as dishwater. Like, they, it was just, they, they told the corporate story, but they had no personality in it. Hey, can I just jump in there? Harking back to our previous story, do any of you ever think that any of the streaming services will get into a news service? like filling the void that's there. Now, it might sound crazy, but you think a few years ago it would have sounded crazy, the idea of Netflix, Stan, whoever doing sport. But that's come around pretty quick. My only concern would be the expense. You know, like you, you, you're fair to say that, that you know, if there's an executive in a network with an accountancy background, I'm sure there has already been robust conversations in the boardroom mm. about can't we save money from news? Can't we slash money from the news budget? It's our biggest ticket item by a long shot because of everyone that they employ to do it. And that would be the concern for an Amazon or a, a whoever to get involved in running sta- uh, to running a regional news on a streaming service, uh, coupled with, and this is the problem with the, the YouTube model for regional Australia, the internet's still shit out there. <laughs> Good point. Well, give it, give it till the end of the year when we've got Starlink, thanks to Elon Musk and everybody has internet. <laughs> And it'll be all be good. Um, it's interesting about the news idea. I hadn't overly considered that, but there certainly is room for news on the internet. We're seeing we're seeing that with Ticker. We're seeing that with Mike Goldman, with what Leah Puglisi is doing. So it would be interesting if news popped up on some streamers. I'm genuinely surprised a nine or seven hasn't done that with their streaming services, Nine Now and 7 Plus. I think considering that's a big driver of viewers to free-to-air, why isn't there a 24-hour news channel on these streamers as part of driving audiences there? It, that Just if you want the latest news, click in. Oh, you've seen the news, now watch a show. Mm. I don't know. Maybe there's something in that. All right. The Lord Dyson report into the 1995 Princess Diana Panorama interview has been handed down, concluding that journalist Martin Bashir had indeed deceived Princess Diana and was in serious breach of the BBC guideline. UK Culture Secretary Oliver Dowden has called for an attitudinal change at the BBC and both Prince William and Prince Harry have spoken out condemning the actions made. Sarah, do you reckon the BBC has a lot to answer for here? It sounds pretty serious because they're all just losing their minds over it and it was just, that was like the huge topic on Twitter today. Um, But I think there is a thing with the BBC is always like, you know, we are the best and we're above reproach and so now they're going oh well maybe we thought we were excellent and maybe we're not so it'll be interesting to see how they change because of this i'm look i'm not the smartest man i don't understand what would prompt um the earl spencer and, and princess diana to speak with Martin Bashir just because he showed them faked bank statements, which is at the mm. core of, of these claims. I don't, I don't get it. Like, what's the, what do the fake bank statements mean? Yeah, where was, what was the money for? That, that was apparently showing that they were getting investigators against Diana or something like that. Oh, I, I, I just don't know. Like, I get the, the badness of the, the faking it to push the interview. That I totally understand. I just didn't understand why that would. What would prompt them to speak to him? Look, here's the thing. He pounced at a time when she was vulnerable and wanting to speak. Having said that, she wanted to speak. She was being railroaded by the um, royal family 
Prince Charles wasn't treating her very well. And this rewriting of history from Prince Harry and Prince William, I think is a little bit outrageous. They're rewriting it that this ultimately led to her death. Well, she did an interview of her own volition. Now, the practices used by Bashir were outrageous. He forged documents, Mm. you know, like that is absolutely outrageous. But then to blame this for the death of her isn't quite right either. And, you know, she freely gave an interview. Yes, she was conned, absolutely conned, into thinking certain things were taking place and played on her fears. The ethics in here are completely outrageous. But she was a grown adult. She made the decision to speak and there has to be some responsibility taken for that as well, surely. And I reckon at the time she was looking for an outlet. If it hadn't been Martin Bashir, she would have found somebody else. Yeah, I agree. Now, does he get in trouble for faking documents? Well, it's more to do with the ethics. He had to leave the BBC. Um, He's obviously a national disgrace now, going from one of the most um, preeminent journalists around the world. You know, he then got the Michael Jackson interview off the back of the Princess Diana interviews. So there's his reputation is shot. Um, And I think I even saw his wife and kids moving out of the house. I don't know if they're splitting or anything like that, but there are certainly personal repercussions and it would be very hard for him to get another job. The way way they're talking about the um, BBC, though, it feels like this happened two or three years ago, that that the culture needs to change, everything needs to change within the BBC. I mean, it's 25 years ago. I don't think there's probably many people at the BBC back then that, there'll be a few, you know, that still work there, but surely there's been some some cultural change and some board changes and some policy changes since then. I'm not saying that they're perfect at all now, but, yeah, just the way they speak about them, it feels like that this happened two or three years ago. They immediately need to change everything now. Oh, mate, they're all still there. Like the ABC, there's very little turnover. (laughs) (laughs) They're all still there. Maybe they're just showing that they're woke now. (laughs) Well, also, there was a cover-up from the BBC. When people took concerns, there are, and it's, in this report that the BBC covered up and made it clear they did not want people bringing concerns to the table or airing public concerns uh, or airing publicly their concerns. So there was a culture of cover-up at the BBC. There's many, many problems here. The only thing uh, I'm saying here is that I think Harry and William, who, you know, were the sons of their mother who died, so I'm not going to have a go at the way they feel about this, but I I think there were a lot of issues with the way the media interacted with Diana. I absolutely believe all of that led to her death and the hounding and every photo was worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. So there there is validity in what they're saying from that point of view, but also we need to be aware, as Rod said, if it hadn't been this outlet, I do believe she would have come out and spoken to someone. She was angry. She This was her way of fighting back. She got very media savvy during her time. And like all of us, she was not perfect. I, th- I think the difficulty is that because we're not close to it, we can't kind of make a call about the rewriting history thing. Um, I, I agree that it is highly likely. Princess Diana may have spoken to someone else. She also might not have. 
And that's the the crux of the issue. And I can understand it from particularly her son's point of view that because she was deceived into speaking and was so angry, it was very clear in the interview that she was upset with what was going on, perhaps another interview might have been a little more measured. It might not have been as pretty explosive as that Bashir interview Mm. was, which led to... What it was now, it's not as simple as one plus two plus three. It is, I agree, f- far yeah. more nuanced, and I think to allow, um, to allow the princess to grieve and be rightly upset at a deception that added to and certainly built an expectation that their mum was fair game, which led to her being hounded and ultimately the horrible accident in France is what it is. Okay, from the BBC practices to that of our own ABC, with the national broadcaster forced to issue a statement defending its own practices after raw footage of the ABC's Craig McLaughlin expose caused outrage. As we previously discussed, the raw footage shown on Seven Spotlight appeared to show an ABC journalist coaching one of the women making accusations against McLaughlin. But now the ABC has claimed that Seven has selectively edited raw footage and used very brief grabs without full context, going on to say, that the unedited footage shows the interviewee was asked to repeat in a more succinct way statements she had already made on camera and that it is normal television industry practice. Aaron, do you think this was normal practice or inappropriate? Uh, inappropriate. And I saw the uh, Judge Rob uh, story. I absolutely 100, <laughs> 100% agree with Rob's verdict. There are people out there that just don't see that there are two separate issues here. Believing the women and the journalist manipulation of the a- at the ABC. There seems yes. that, that you cannot find that the, the women credible and also agree that the ABC manipulated parts of the interview. It's absolutely okay to say... It is fair for these women to have a voice. It's fair that they should be able to be heard, respected, and have their claims fully investigated. But it's not okay for journalists to ask anyone to change their, you know, their response so that it hits, so that it hits the mark that the network wants them to hit, or you know, for a promo grab or or whatever it is. I just think it's out, outrageous that what the ABC have have done. And if you need clarification on something, then just ask another question. So. Um... <clears throat> When we went to court after the Robert stuff, after we'd filmed A Current Affair, his lawyer very selectively grabbed certain things that we had recorded because the tape is filming the entire, you know, two or three hours that were there, mm-hmm. not just the, the 30 minutes it goes to air. Yeah. And so there were parts where, you know, like we would stop and, you know, we would like our whole thing is either you laugh or you cry. And so we would make jokes in between and, you know, like we were trying to keep it light and they would grab snippets of that and show it out of context that we were making fun of things. And they're like, well, obviously you guys, you know, weren't that upset because you can make jokes. And it's like, um, either I make a joke or I'm going to slash my wrists, you know? Yeah. But, but that's, uh, uh, and and I never saw your raw footage, so I can't talk to that. But I but... can understand how that, like, without seeing all of it, I'm going to give the ABC the benefit of the doubt because maybe Channel 7 did edit it manipulatively, and maybe they didn't. Maybe maybe ABC was completely in the wrong and they fucked up the case for the girls. But at the same time, they may have done it where the, where the journalists, the girls have said something, and they're like, can we rephrase it so that it sounds less legally or so that we don't get sued for defamation or they tried to make them take say it differently and and the a and channel seven has then 
snippet at it so that it looks like they're doing something wrong when they're Hang not. Hang on a sec, Sarah. There is a difference between what the ABC did and your interview. I totally get laughing in between takes and trying to keep it light because, as you said, you'd end up slitting your wrist talking about the atrocities that happened to you. But there is a difference between asking talent to do it quicker or saying you can't say that for legal reasons as opposed to what the producer on the ABC did and literally put words into the talent's mouths. There are a couple of issues here. One, that, that they put words into the mouths and no amount of taking out of context changes that. Seven did not edit the footage we've seen. They ran it in whole. So, yes, they didn't Whoa, run the whole no, hour not. and a half. No, Hang they on did a second, Mulk. They didn't run the whole hour and a half of tape, but when they took portions of the interview, they didn't manipulate that edit. They didn't cut it down. I, I will they agree, sure. Yep. Yeah, so that's my point. So the idea that Seven have manipulated the footage is complete bullshit. That's wrong. That's wrong. By using those selective grabs, by using those selective grabs, they have absolutely manipulated what that tape says in exactly the same example as um, Sarah just used. If you take this segment of the hour and a long, two hour, three hour, however long the interview took, you take this bit and you use it here, it all of a sudden, take it completely out of context, shows that, well, look, obviously they're coaching and it's they're doing these sorts of things. It's not taking it out of context when you hear a producer say, you need to call him this, you need to call him that. He used this sentence. That's not taking it out of context. Is it outrageous? No amount of contents, context justifies that appalling behaviour. And for the reporter to then go and attack Mark Llewellyn on Twitter and say, I will not be taught journalistic ethics from you, is outrageous. No, it's not. He's attacking her. Her credibility is being called into question because As she's be. interviewing the people. So it is fair that in the court of public opinion, which is the only place this is playing out at the moment, that she should defend herself, that she should say to the man who executive produced the program that made it look like she did the wrong thing, that she didn't, if she believes that she didn't do the wrong thing. Now, the difficulty is, because it is only public opinion, we can't make a call on it, because none of us have seen the whole tape to be able to say whether or not it is in context or it's out of context, to be able to say... How does it matter if it's in context or not when we have it on tape, the producer telling the talent what to say. But maybe she said something, maybe she said something and that wasn't something that was going to be able to fly on television. So he said, let's no, not say it we that heard way. They did not edit it in, they did not manipulate the edit. They played it in a block. I understand they didn't play the whole tape, but they played it in a block that was not manipulated. So what we saw was what was said. That is never okay, no matter what the context. So the person, in, in, let's let's take it out of this context, right, and move it into uh, someone else being interviewed about a, a whistleblower, right? Not even a, not even yep. a sexual assault case. Someone has come forward yep. and said that our, our my organisation is doing horrific things. They give a, a, a gloriously detailed, filled, rambly answer. When what the journalist needs in the context is a 15-second statement. Understand. So to suggest to them, this word says all of that stuff that you just said, how about you say it using this word? But she didn't say that. She literally gave the grab she wanted the talent to say. And we need to be clear on something. 
the attack on the ABC and the producer, not even so much the journalist who said, we shouldn't be putting words in their mouths. Exactly. The reporter actually said that to the producer. Yeah. We, there are two different issues here. We're attacking the ABC is not attacking the women or their credibility. Yes. This needs to be an important point. Well, it's still okay. back on attacking the journalists. We haven't moved. We, we all agree that by attacking the reporting methodology, we're not doubting the women. Thank you. We're all there. Because that ha- I've been called a rape lover because <laughs> I dared take this stance about the ABC. So this is why I'm really making this clear, which I've tried to make clear every time I've talked about this. The difference here is we're actually seeing it. Whereas anytime someone does a magazine interview, it doesn't matter what you said, the journalist writes what they want to write. And they make up sentences. They do like, I can do a yes, no interview, literally yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. And they will be like, Sarah Monaghan like thinks this and does this. And she said this. And it's like, I didn't make a full sentence the whole time. I understand. I can't talk to magazines, but I can talk to television. But I think that this is the first time we're seeing journalists and content create people like do do the manipulation this is the abc they're supposed to be above reproach i've worked in tv all my life i've seen hundreds of raw interviews from a current affairs 60 minutes today tonight seven news nine news i've seen enough during my years to know what's acceptable and what's not what the abc did is not acceptable. The ABC is meant to be held to the highest standards. And for the ABC to think this is defendable speaks volumes to the ethics at the ABC. And this is a really sad day for me. I'm a big defender of the ABC, have always been, believe we should give them more money, they should have the resources to do what the national broadcaster needs to do. It needs to be able to hold governments to account, to break stories. I'm a big believer in all all that. But the behaviour shown on this interview is outrageous and the second outrageous thing is for the ABC to defend it. Why, Why should they not, Rob? Why should they not defend it if they believe they've well, done they the right thing? Well, they have to, don't they? they because they use they the women to. as a defence. How dare you attack us? You take away these women's credibility. No, don't hide behind the shield of the women. The women are not at issue here. It's your own practices and ethics that are at issue here. Nothing to do with the women. It's the behaviour of the people who are making this, specifically the producer outrageous and then to use the women as a shield and a deflection was another misstep from the ABC. I think it is unfair based on the very few short grabs that were published as a part of the McLaughlin interview on seven to make a claim that we know what the tape does says what the context is, how it all plays out. She either said it or she didn't. She said it. At the same time, she also wouldn't have gone into the interview, let's turn on the camera and start talking about it. There would have been a fairly sizable, I'm sure, pre-interview where they discussed Mm -hmm. all of the horrible details of what went on uh, and got an understanding of it, those sorts of things. As I said, to then sit down, roll tape and let's talk. Uh, And you've mentioned, I don't know, I haven't seen it. It's a 90-minute tape or whatever it is that that was the interview um, that they used the grabs from. The, the, the whole thing, um, I mean, that whole 90 minutes also didn't go to air on the ABC, to be frank. You know, Correct. there was only bits of that that went to air um, to show... Everything is selectively edited to tell your story. The, uh, I mean, that's just a nonsense claim. No one ever puts a raw footy camera tape to air. Mm. So my point is, given the amount of um, controversy 
that this tape is now showing. And look, I don't know if it's going to form a part of the defamation case or whatever the, the situation is. It's certainly going to be... Um, it would. It's difficult to release the video given the nature of what the content is about. And unfair, unless the, the women being interviewed or woman being interviewed explicitly says it's okay to do so. That's, that's going to be the challenge. Um, and it will continue to divide public opinion for that exact reason, until we get to see and understand what is said on the tape in the fullness of how it is said and what's done in the course of the interview, it is it is difficult to make a clear judgment call on it. It's fine to say if I take one minute out of a 90-minute interview, oh, they're bad people, or wow, they're great people. We can't say that. We have to see, we have to understand all of it in its fullness to understand the context. All right. Let's update you on the ratings race for week 21 and the Seven Network took out top place in network shares with a 29.7% share, while Nine came out second on 27.8. With an 18.8% share, 10 held on to third spot, while the ABC had 16.1 and SBS 8.1. It was a far more interesting race in the primary channels, though, with Seven and Nine tying on 29.1% and the ABC and 10 tying for third place on 11.5. While seven took out sixteen to thirty-nine demos, nine won twenty-five to fifty-four. Malk, any surprises for you last week? Uh, yeah, I think the performance of the AFL boosting seven's competitiveness, because it, it is a week of two halves. Certainly, uh, when reality uh, runs the front end and sport runs the back end, uh, in a week where the Lego Masters finale did over a million, like it did good business. Mm. For nine to tie for first in the network and come second, sorry, tie for first in primary and come second in the network um, shows the strength of what the AFL particularly is doing for seven because they weren't Mm, competitive uh, with much more else. Um, It was... Look, it's it's a huge boost for Seven going, you know, as we move through Q2 into Q3, hopefully with the Olympics still to go, and the ISC have certainly committed to that. We, we've talked about Seven's escape plan. They're prepared if the Olympics does get cancelled at the last minute. Um, it, it's going to be a rough ride, a rougher ride, not not horrible, but a rougher ride for Nine over the next probably three to four months uh, because Seven have got a lot of interest coming their way. Um, and Nine... Uh, have got the programming schedule to help run that through, the NRL isn't giving them too much. Not right at the moment. Um, And that only, you know, cuts it at their, well, at least at their total people. Again, in the, the, the demos that they care about, it is a pretty sharp battle between news and reality television. Very rarely does sport feature in the demos, um, at least in the top five that we see. Um, Mm. That's what I mean by feature. Of course it's there, but it's just not often that it flops into the top five. Um, And for 25 to 54s, which is where seven and nine are battling it out, um, it is absolutely a tale of who's got the best reality and uh, who's got the better news product. Um, And it it was interesting, you know, just here's my tinfoil conspiracy theory. (laughs) Next week's weekly ratings will be very interesting. We saw Celebrity Apprentice kick off this week, and up against it, they ran the Martin Bryant seven-year spotlight special with an added 10 minutes of Craig McLaughlin, you know, update, someone's come forward stuff. Not only did seven-year spotlight start at like 7.06, so it ran late because the news ran late, it then ran late 
later than its advertised time slot anyway. So not it didn't finish at 8.16. It ran longer than that. Um, and you know that's planned 100%. because of state-based additions. So all the states have to time out to the exact same time. So they're not timing out to 6.59 and 59 seconds or uh, 7 o'clock exactly. They're being told to finish at 7.06 or mm. 7.08, whatever the time was. So that is a planned strategy. From oh, and no question. And when they had been promoting 7 o'clock Sunday night all week for this Craig McLaughlin mm. update, you know, the thing that everyone's been talking about, to then start the program five to six minutes late and then tack the McLaughlin thing on the end, they were always going to put it on the end, was absolutely an intentional spoiler against Celebrity Apprentice because it means that their news product runs for, you know, six till seven, mm-hmm. and that's what it's coded for in the Oztam ratings. And that extra six minutes of the news that was honestly full of celebrity rubbish and then, oh, here's the weather, now we're off to the Martin Bryant thing, was absolutely intended to boost the seven-year spotlight figures. But also what that does is spoil Celebrity Apprentice mm. because people go to it late and go, oh, I've already missed it, you know, if they're tuning in eight minutes later. Absolutely. Mm. Um, I, I think it was to Nine's detriment that they chose to split... Oh, we'll talk about this next week. Um, that they chose to split code Celebrity Apprentice and the boardroom. It was a sizable jump up to see who got, you know, who got fired. Um I don't think that split coding gives the programs the benefit that they think that that it does. Although they get a headline because the boardroom got a great figure. When you average it together, it still won. It still beat the seven-year spotlight program. The problem is that the show, the the, the premiere, didn't beat the seven-year spotlight program if you just look at the Oztam codings. But when mm. you add the two bits together and average it out, it beats it. Yeah. Good point. Yeah, Nine would have to be happy with how Celebrity Apprentice did, even with splitting it. Um, yeah, they call that a victory, I'm sure. Oh, they did. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. The um, two things that I took away from the week is um, the gap is really widening. I'm pretty sure, because I haven't looked at, like really closely at the figures, but between Sunrise and today, yeah. um, nobody's really talk- talking about this. Bar's killing it. Um, the gap seems to be, it was like 40,000, 50,000. It just keeps growing every day. Um, and the second thing is, you know when Friday and Saturday nights were like the dead end of the week and nobody's programming for that, and then it sort of feels like it's gone to Thursday, because aside from obviously the AFL or the NRL that's on, it's pretty dead. And now it feels like it's moved to Wednesday. I mean, yeah, Travel Guides is doing pretty well. Um, but after sort of eight thirty, like Doctor Doctor, nobody's watching, and it's it like Channel Ten are running bull repeats and stuff hmm. like that. It actually feels like we're moving back. You know, another night. Are we just going to program for three nights? It's like an infection. Now, it's creeping back further into the mm. week. Yeah, it's just what it feels like. I mean, maybe interesting take. It's not the reality. I, I don't know, but it feels like that the networks are only actually programming for Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays now. Wednesdays yeah. are absolutely up for grabs. Um, th- hey, a, a, a question for uh, next week on the ratings. How do you reckon, um, well, overnight actually, how do you reckon uh, the weakest link's going to go? Yeah, look, mate, gosh, at, at what, 9.03 or whenever it's going to start? Not yeah. great is the short answer. <laughs> Hang on. Uh, here's something I'm going to dispute. Because we've seen that shows at 8.30 and 9 o'clock can mm-hmm. do well. Have you been paying attention? Beat Lego Masters, right? Yeah. So this idea that nobody wants to watch TV at 9 o'clock is a furphy. The problem is the weakest link doesn't look very good. And I haven't seen the episode. That's I haven't right. seen a preview. I'm just going by the promos. I'm not sold. And this is not an attack on Magda. 
I just don't think she will suit the role very well. I could watch it tonight and go, my God, I was completely wrong. But nothing that I've seen in the promos has sold me on her being in that role. I'll be watching out of curiosity. And given, given that, sure. uh, have you been paying attention, the rate's around 650 Surely that's what Nine's going to be aiming for, isn't it? Well, that's going to be the bulk style. of the audience, is tuning yeah. in to see how it goes. Lots of rubberneckers. Whatever they get yeah. on night one will be the best for the series. Yeah. I don't even think they're going to get 650 I yeah. think it'll be more like four fifty, five hundred. Yeah. There's, there's... Yeah, I don't even think we should we should count the first episode. I mean, there's going to be some people that just tune in for car crash TV or just to curiosity factor. I'm definitely going to watch it. But yeah. um, why would we not count every, the ratings every, every... on the first episode? That's all some shows get. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, if if it just goes to six fifty or something like that, and go, oh, I actually did really, really well. I think you know when we see the second and third episode, we'll see it um, completely taper off after that. There just might be a curiosity factor. I think in the first episode, that's all. All right, now it's time for Hatches and Dispatches with Sarah. Thanks, Rob. A disgraced celebrity chef, Pete Evans, has landed himself in more hot water with the TGA. As exclusively broken by TV Black Box, the Therapeutic Goods Administration are launching a new investigation. However, details are still under wraps, with Pete Evans even unaware of the proceedings. Australian Survivor will be making its return with the new format, Brains vs. Brawn, featuring champions of both mind and muscle. This season will be shot in the outback of northwest Queensland and is expected to premiere on 10 later this year. After initially being announced as part of Seven's commentary team for the Tokyo Olympics, Ian Thorpe's name was notably missing when the event was rescheduled. However, he has now been confirmed once again and will join Basil Zampolis and Gian Rooney in Seven's Melbourne studio. Seven West Media has appointed Robert Sharp as the new head of corporate communications. Coming from Optus, where he was corporate affairs advisor and having previously worked at Network 10 and ITV, Sharp will be responsible for the media group's external and internal communications. And in sad news, Gold Logie winner Lorraine Desmond has died at age 91 following a short battle with illness. She was most famous for her role as Shirley in a country practice and had a career spanning over 55 years. And that is this week's Hatches and Dispatches. Thank you, Sarah, with some very sad news there. What a TV icon. Coming up in this edition of TV Black Box, we're going to talk to Lincoln Lewis as he opens up about his career and the story that made headlines around the nation. Plus, we'll open up the TV binge box and find out what everyone's been watching. 
Legend, thanks for having me. How you going? <laughs> Mate, let's go back to Home and Away. You achieved so much success with that show. You won a Gold Logie even. You were on Dancing with the Stars and then again on the All-Stars edition this year. How grateful yeah. are you for that for, as a launching pad? And could Jeff Campbell ever come back to Summer Bay? Hey, look, honestly, extremely grateful. I um, hey, that, That's my first episode. Yes, look at that. <laughs> How's that thing? Um, honestly, I, I will be forever grateful to Home and Away. That was, um, as, as for an, an actor of, as a, as a beginning actor, but also it wouldn't have mattered, you know, what, what you came coming, um, having done beforehand or anything like that. Home and Away is, is its own, you know, entity. It's amazing. Uh, you, you learn so much doing that show, but then you, it, it's not, you know, you learn about the fan base, you learn how long it's been going. It's, it's got such a loyal and amazing fan base but the craft that you're able to you know your own craft that you're able to work on is, is something i can't really even put into words because it's you're just going all the time you're surrounded by veterans you have no time to sort of drop the ball um it's sink or swim and it's it's just mate it's an amazing show that i feel very fortunate to be to have been part of and look uh and look if the if the opportunity ever ever um got thrown back at me you know to to reprise jeff i mean it would have to be one of those things where they'd have to let you know it, it'd have to be the right storyline sure um look i loved every second of my time on that show and if there was ever um an opportunity to come back with a good storyline i can't imagine an actor that wouldn't jump at that well i can think of one who got very upset when she was asked about home and away on the morning show but uh <laughs> Um, okay, always one. Always one. <laughs> uh, I'm talking about Melissa George, of course. But, uh, mate, what I love is that I can see a genuine love for what you did on that show, and you're not embarrassed about it, which can happen. You know, you it got your foot in the door. You've had a very successful career, and I love that you still love the fact that you did that. Yeah, mate, honestly, it's – I mean, not <sighs> – to put it, uh, you know, in a bit of a nutshell, as as an as an actor, you you know, you want to work on a good project. You, this 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 show is uh, as as well as Neighbours is a, they're Australia's longest running television shows. But mm. um, you know, families grow up watching them. And for myself, my sister, um, like a lot of my time, I was I was you know doing footy training around the time I was on. But my sister, who was born deaf, she watched Home and Away with captions so that she could sort of learn how language, you know, teenage language kind of was spoken. And really? so. It was, it was, a, yeah, it was, a, it was a really beautiful thing to sort of watch Jamie Lee watching it with caption. My sister's name's Jamie Lee, sorry, and and what she watched it with captions, and it helped her language skills, and it helped her develop that through her high school years. And then I, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps thinking about it at the moment because when I got told I had the role, um, I remember I was, my mum and my auntie were in this furniture shop. I'd gotten the call, and I that was the third character I've been I'd auditioned for for Home and Away over three years, and then I remember getting the call from my agent and I, I just went to the other side of the of the furniture store and I, I answered it because I was either going to probably have a teary or scream in, in just with excitement and I just screamed <laughs> my mum's turned around the other way and she's just seen me like looking like this and she's like no anyway it was on and and I just remember that feeling of excitement and, and then I got to I printed out the email where they said well they want you as, as Jeff Campbell for Home and Away and I picked my sister up from school that day and when, I, when she got into the car um, and I'd only had my 
license for like six months. So it was really, it was still a cool thing to be like, yeah, I want to I go pick her up. This <laughs> and that. and I've, I've shown her the printout and she looked at it and she's read it because, and then she's just like, her eyes just lit up. When you were in the furniture store, I thought you were about to say getting the job was the difference between buying the cheap bed, the cheap single bed, <laughs> or the big king size luxury bed. <laughs> it's the difference between getting the little balsa wood thing on the slats as opposed to, yeah, getting, getting a frame. Yeah. Um, I've got to say, I've worked with your dad over the years, uh, Wally, of course. He's the sports presenter at uh, Channel 9 in Brisbane. And uh, I've actually sat down and done an interview with him uh, for my series that I did when I was at 9 called uh, Inside Television. He is a, a, a really good bloke who really loves what he does. Is that where you get your passion from? Um, mate, I think a lot of, um, look, a lot of what I have, I, I truly dedicate to my mum. Mum is someone who has said from the get go, she wakes up every day saying she feels like it's her birthday because, um, she's got good people around her and anytime there's something, um, that's wrong, she always tries to find the silver lining in it and says what we can be thankful for. And I remember, um, I remember the first job I ever did uh, where I had a role. Um, my first ever job, my first ever job was, was an extra in a coffee commercial. Um, and then the next jobs I had was extras on the Sleepover Club, uh, Mortified and H2O, um, all kids shows being done on the Gold Coast. And, um, and I remember when I got this role in a different um, project and uh, I think I don't know. I, I, I had like a little sook about something. I was 17 or just a fresh 18. I had some sook about something. And I remember, um, sorry if this is all pixelated. I don't know why it's doing that. No, it's um, all good, mate. We can see you clearly. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, I, I remember that mum's just sort of pulled me aside and said, Link, if you're not happy with it, give it up and go do something else. Because if you're going to whinge about it, then you're obviously not happy doing it. And I remember it, it was a right cool thing advice. to put into line and, and, um, and to always remind us to be thankful of, of what we're doing. Um, because it's, it's every time I've had a role, I've been so thankful for it, but I know there's other people who have went for that role that have wanted it just as badly as myself. And there's roles I've missed out on where, mm. you know, we've all been in the same boat wanting that just as much as the, as the guy that got it. So, um, mum has always been one to instill that, that gratitude um, in us. Your and... mum sounds like a great lady. And obviously, there's been some big changes in your family structure. Your parents have split up. Um, yeah. How is your mum going? And Because she just sounds amazing. Has that been hard on you and her? Oh, mate, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's been hard on, um, on everyone, obviously, you know, and anyone that, that sort of goes through, um, stuff, it's, it's, it's obviously going to be hard. And then, you know, going through things in the public eye, but that's, that comes with the territory. So it is what it is. Um, but I think the most important thing, um, with mum is she's surrounded by good people who love and care about her. Like we're, we're, we're all banded together. We're a very tight family unit. Um, she's got, she's got some amazing friends around her. Um, and that's, that's the thing. That's the thing that gets anyone through anything and, and whenever I've had chats to people about um, well I've given chats about uh, mental health or even giving chats in and acting workshops whatever it may be from from the smallest things to, to when you're talking about something as great as mental health um, any obstacle everyone's going to go through obstacles in life whether and and everything um, is always going to be relative to you as an individual and and that's kind of one of those things where we say look if something gets you down don't don't allow yourself to sort of try and brush it away by going okay there's someone in another country that's got it 
you know, this bad, da, 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 because, and that, that is good to put things into perspective, but we always got to remember everything's relative to us as an individual. What may affect me might not affect you and vice versa. Um, so at the end of the day, to have good people around you that love and care and support you is the main thing. And so obviously she's got that around her and, and you know, we have our up days and our down days and stuff like that, but she's surrounded by good people. So well, yeah. that's an interesting point. And I'm sorry, what's your mum's name? Jackie. Jackie. Um, because when something like this happens, we can feel a sense of um, we lose our self-worth. You know, when, when someone leaves for another relationship and we, we lose that sense of self-worth and you talk about mental health, which I think is one of the biggest issues that isn't really being spoken about in this country. So I'm mm -hmm. really pleased that you are um, an advocate for that. And it just sounds like you are really looking out for your mum because this has to be a hard time on her. Yeah, definitely. And, and yeah, I'm, I'm glad you put it like that um, because, yeah, at the end of the day, um, we help ourselves by helping each other. And, and, you know, no one can go through anything alone. Like you can, um, like we, 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 I think the thing in this country is that there's been a, uh, for a long time, there's been a bit of a culture, which is just kind of, I'll brush it off. It'll, it'll be sweet. You know, now nah, don't, don't worry. Don't, don't sort of tell anyone because mm -hmm. you know, my day, whatever it may be, because everyone's strong, everyone, we can be resilient, but when it comes to things like our mind and our heart, um, they're very tender things and they're things that we need that sense of community around us. You know, when we talk about things physically, the human body is very resilient. We can get through things. We can push on. We can do this. We can do that. But mentality is a completely different thing. And it's good that it's now starting to get spoken about on, on a much wider level. But, uh, you know, it's it's very long overdue, but it's good that, you know, it's getting spoken about. And I'm, I'm stoked that, yeah, you even just um, highlighted it like you did. Well, mate, your mum is very fortunate to have someone like you in her life and, and your sister, I'm sure, too. And it's, as I say, it's times like these we need the, the support of loved ones around us. So please send her all our love from the Androb and Robbo show. I'm sure that will mean Thank the world to her. She'll go, what's the Androb and Robbo show? Honestly, mums, no, that's that's the thing. And that's that's that thing that mums always instilled is, is love coming from someone is love. It, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter if it's from a stranger or someone you've known your entire life. Life. Someone that can put a smile on your face is worth more than you can put into words. And so, you know, you passing on well wishes is, it mean, it would mean the world to us. So I'll definitely pass that on. Thank you. Oh, awesome, mate. Well, look, this has been an absolute delight. Thank you for being on the Androb and Robbo show, mate. Mate, my pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Anytime you just let me know, I'll be back. I can take your coffees or I can just say hi to you. <laughs> Whatever you need, I'm here. <laughs> Brilliant. All right, mate. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. Thanks, legend. A really nice and genuine bloke. Well, now it's time to find out what we've all been watching in TV Binge Box. Aaron, what have you been watching? Uh, a few finales coming up um, in America. So um, been watching like The Equalizer and NCIS Los Angeles and uh, 911 and stuff like that. So, yeah, just the usual American shows, uh, which is great. And I've been watching a show on Seven, How to Look Good Naked. 
I, I actually just don't understand the premise of that show at all. So they basically have women, on, <laughs> uh, women on the sh- uh, women, women on the show that you know are quite big. The hint is in the title, they, Aaron. Yeah, but, <laughs> they, they they get them to take off their clothes and say, you know, they, they're obviously quite big and say, yeah, but look, you absolutely look beautiful, and then take pictures of them and put them on buses or, or around the UK you know, them big and naked and saying, well, everyone actually thinks you look beautiful and then give them clothes that, you know, hide the fat and then say, look how beautiful you are. I I just, is that? <laughs> it's all about body just, positivity. We're all about just, like not fat shaming people anymore. We're all about telling people who don't want to diet and exercise that that's okay because we all look good no matter how big we are, even if we have diabetes you know, we now fat, like we skinny shame people. It's just, it's the thing of the moment and it makes people feel good yeah. about themselves. Let, because let's just put them on a sh- show though and, and take your clothes off and then we'll give you some clothes that make, make you hide that fat that you just said was beautiful that you could just, I don't know, move on to the next one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Rod, what have you been watching? Well, I mentioned last week that I'd started watching the one. I didn't get a chance to explain what the premise was because we were running a bit over time. But yeah, watch the rest of the one. Uh, And the the interesting premise is that uh, it's about matching people based on DNA, like the the one that's out there for you. But it's sort of like it's a crime. Yeah, so you've seen it, so you know how good it is. Uh, I did go back to Mayor of Easttown because at least there's a few episodes to watch, but got to the end of the one that I was watching and went, oh, damn, there's still more to go, so Mm. I'll have to have a bit of a pause and binge watch the rest. And started watching a show with Martin Freeman uh, in it, The uh, Startup. It's sort of uh, got the feel of Ozark and him in a very different dark sort of role. So if you like Ozark, uh, I'd recommend Startup to you. Sarah, what have you been watching? Uh, We finished uh, The New Legends of Monkey. which I wanted to hate, and I actually didn't. I thought it was really good, um, despite the fact that, like, I could see that I was like, where are the Asian people? Um, but then, you know, it's supposed to be he's traveling the entire world, so I just went with maybe the fact that there was just New Zealanders in the entire universe. Um, <laughs> but it was good. It was very funny. And then my father-in-law actually said, what was the original show like? And so we got onto the internet and we found the original version which my husband looked at and said you will watch the rest of this by yourself Um, (laughs) (laughs) we loved it in australia yeah Yeah, i mean that was the thing like i grew up with monkey that was like my favorite Mm. thing and then you know i watched this one and i could see why in australia the first three episodes were put into a movie because the first two episodes alone i was like yeah no and then by the third episode it hooked you in um so i could see that and then um we are back to the handmaid's tale now that we're home and not in the in-laws house Mm. Well, I've got to be honest, I haven't really been watching a lot. I've been getting little bits of TV where I can. Loved the finale of the weekly. That has just had a spectacular run and I think has been great. Um, Big Bang Theory, bits and pieces. Big Brother is my one big addiction at the moment and I'm devouring episodes whenever I can. But the family uh, watching Superstore and Big Bang is just little bits and pieces. And I'm still making my way through Shadow and Bone, which I think is a great series. Mark, what about you? Um, I've been watching a whole bunch of stuff, funnily enough, Rob. Of course um, you have. <laughs> I, I am still not smart enough for the girlfriend experience, but something finally happened in season three that I can understand, so I'm going to stick with it. Um Disappointed that Art Simone was given a free pass back into RuPaul's Drag Race for no other reason than she's a complete bitch. Um, I felt that the latest episode of The Handmaid's Tale is now pivot critical. Where they take the, 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 the program from this, and I don't know, is going to be whether or not I keep watching it. 
Um, ah. So without spoiling it, something that happens in this latest episode is now is – is it not over? Now, I know it's not, but it feels like either they have completely jumped 17 sharks or <laughs> it's be, it'll be a, a plotting masterpiece and we'll see how they deal with it. Um, uh, I've, I've already previewed and finished Love on the Spectrum Season 2. I think it's delightful television. I'd watched Zack Snyder's Army of the Dead on Netflix – Two and a half hours of um, zombie excess and chewing gum movie going that is fun, but, I mean, only dive in if you're a fan of the genre, and even then you'll probably be disappointed. And I am deeply in love with The Mayor of Town and cannot wait for the final episode to drop on Monday. I think that has been out- outrageously good. And a quick one, the latest episode of John Oliver's uh, Last Week Tonight, which is always a great program, absolutely Mm. smashes it. He talks about local news in the US and what their model is for making money, primarily uh, infomercials uh, and how they engage it in a, you know, Studio 10 morning style, morning show style programming to insert it and what they do. And he showed, particularly in America, where there's some, you would think, reasonably rigid structures around medical devices or medical aids and what you can and can't make claims about. For the the measly sum of $3,000, they put basically a fake medical device to air as something that you oh, could wow. buy. Wow. Um, and the, the networks took their money. And they had, you know, people, they, their basic premise was people trust local news. Uh, the people that are making these programs aren't actually querying anything that people bring to the table. And so you could put any shit up and you'll just get, get a gift. You'll just get told that it's great and we'll put it to air. Wow. Wow. I'll have to go and have a look at that. I usually do catch up at some point on John Oliver. And just before we go, it's going to be interesting to see whether Lindsay Lohan actually does come back for The Masked Singer, not only because of what's going on with COVID, but uh, it's just been announced that she will star in a soon-to-be-titled, in a yet-to-be-titled Netflix holiday rom-com. So that could preclude her from doing any commitments for The Masked Singer. I could totally do her job. (laughs) Yes, you could. Oh my God, you'd be so good. We're the same age. We're both former child stars. I'm in. Just give me the ticket. (laughs) All right. That brings us up with breaking news as we record on the latest TV news, which of course you can get at tvblackbox.com.au. And don't forget to subscribe to the newsletter where there's extra information, opinions, and a whole lot more. Just go to tvblackbox.com.au slash newsletter. Mulk. Sarah, Aaron and Rod, thank you very much. We'll see you next week as we dive into the TV black box. Yeah, go and get out of here. Bye, everyone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.